Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to We Got Balls. And today we're going to talk about a, a topic that is um, very personal for me. Uh, if you think back to the very first episode of We Got Balls, um, I, I read a story about my first uh, experience with uh, online pornography. And what did I type into the search bar? Do you remember, Scott? You know um, what it was? It wasn't Care Bears. It wasn't Care Bears. That's <laughs> was, a different. That's a different story. It was um, Girls Gone Wild. Nope. Barely legal teen. Okay. Barely legal teen. That's kind of that's in the same genre, right? That's that's as Care Bears. Yeah, exactly the same genre. It's the same thing. Um, <laughs> no, but that's I was I was nineteen. I was I was a college student. I was eighteen, probably thinking back. Yeah, I was eighteen years old. I was a college student, so I was looking for young women that were like me, um, who were willing to be vulnerable and sexual. Uh, and you know, I was looking to be seen. Obviously, had a lot of. Um, uh, lack of attunement from both parents and just wanting to connect in any way that I possibly could. And I think when we think about porn and we think about the porn industry and we think about the popular popularization of porn, we would be foolish not to go and do a deep dive into why is it that young people, boys and girls, why is it that young people are the targets so much of our porn searches? What is it about youth and again, we're talking about 18-year-old plus young people. Many would call them children psychologically, socially, right? But we're not talking about child porn. We're talking about adults who are consenting to participate for a multiplicity of reasons in porn, and they become the objects of desire. Uh, if you go back in history, I mean, let's just, let's just do a, a quick historical dive. The young, voluptuous woman and the, the strong, virile young man have been the epitome of art and um, sexual ob objectification throughout history, and it continues to be so today. So, Scott, what is it about that barely legal, that whatever the definition in the West, it's 18 plus version of, of um, humanity that we want to objectify? Well, I think at a ground level, there's something very arousing about um, the idea of initiation into adulthood through sexuality, right? Yep. So you've got a, a young person whose body is developed sexually. They have adult penises and adult breasts and vaginas. And they have beautiful bodies, they have beautiful faces, they're youthful, they're full of life, vitality, their sexual potency is at their highest. What's not yeah. arousing or attractive about that to most people? Yeah, I mean, that's the ideal. That's the best physical part of life. If you're going to create an ideal aspect of humanity, obviously you want to look at um, a time in life before 
there's been a lot of harm. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, uh, aging. <laughs> the wear and tear starts to show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's, that's, that's the real thing. Life ages people. <clears throat> and so when you're in that time of, of your life, and then also there's a bit of naivety too. Haven't had life experiences. And so um, I'll show up and I'll do brave new things and I'll try crazy, crazy acts because I've never done them before. I've never done them like this before. And so their willingness to participate in that. And I mean, you know, the the Muslims, the fundamentalist Muslims, they're not going to heaven to be with 72 middle aged women. It's 72 virgins. It's not. Yeah. Not 72 grannies. No, no, that's not, that's not in the arousal template. Is there something about that virginity, that um, innocence, that beauty that is really, really, really enticing? So what, I know we've touched on it a little bit, but what the heck is going on inside of our, our, I mean, it's almost like we can take the psychological and physical cues and just put them on blast and just be like, it's, it's all of them. It's everything. I mean, yeah, this is the height of uh, kind of, arousal and what we find beautiful and attractive we find youth attractive it's beautiful and and there are aspects of about you know the human body as it's developing from a child into an adult body that are going to be arousing to pretty much anybody Mm -hmm. and if you don't if you're not noticing this you're just not paying attention and um and there's a desire i think if if you could ask people in general, it would be interesting to see this survey. I don't think I've ever seen this done, but if you could go back knowing what you know now and relive any time of your life, what would it be? I think most people would say 17, 18, you know? Yeah. When yeah, I was I mean, at a very, high, very op- optimistic time of life, for sure. Optimistic. I felt my strongest. I felt sexually alive. I felt like I looked good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I think we all have this fantasy about being able to go back and relive our life knowing what we know as adults and the experiences kind of the hard knocks we've experienced and go back now and kind of relive that time in our lives and so obviously that's going to be attractive to us when we see that embodied in a person Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of beauty there and there's a sense i think in which god designed us to be attracted to everything that's beautiful because beauty is an attribute of god so when you see something beautiful whether it's a sunset or it's a really muscular, you know, 18-year-old young man or beautifully voluptuous 18-year-old young woman, you're going to be aroused in a sense because mm. they're beautiful and God yeah. made you to be aroused by beauty. So it's not, the problem is not, am I aroused by beauty? The problem is, what do I do when I am aroused by it? Do I want to consume it and use it for myself? Or can I honor it as something beautiful that God made? And, you know, keep it within a bounds of, of honor where it's contained in, in that. And that's, I think, the challenge that we have. Yeah. So let's, let's look at it from two perspectives. I think, you know, my, my initial arousal template, uh, uh, there was a desire in um, that, uh, you know, typing in those words, barely legal teen. I was looking for a person my age who was willing to be sexually vulnerable and attuned. I, I was, I was looking for someone that would, come alive with me and even, even be a little adventurous and take initiative in ways that I've didn't feel um, confident to do so. Right. 
So did you expect them to be as experienced as you or were you wanting them to learn along with how you were learning in the fantasy? What do you think? I think I expected them or hoped that they would be more experienced Hmm. than me. And so, but yet they were my age. They still looked innocent and virile and beautiful. And so, you know, you know, I, I get to be, cause at, at the time, I, I mean, I had very little experience physically uh, in my relationships. And so I didn't really know what to do, but to have a young woman who was willing to, and this was a big deal for me, get naked, take your clothes off. Like I, I, I remember the one video that really stands out was a young woman who was in a, a, a glass shower and she was just showering naked. And obviously, you know, she was being filmed and, and that was just very alluring to me that there would be this person who would be so confident in their own skin. And then of course the sex acts followed after that. But that was the experience for me was I, I want to be with someone who's confident in their body, but also wants to connect sexually. I mean, I can see the appeal of that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think back when I was in high school, um, there were kind of two arousal targets for me. One would be other guys my age where I felt like it was common, you know, this is buddies, this is guys yep. Yep. together. And the other one was an older guy to come in and show me how to be a man. Sure. And so I had kind of both of those dynamics going on. And I think they communicate different things. One is a, lo- a longing for brotherhood and belonging, and the other is uh, kind of a longing for initiation and, you know, in- into manhood. But um, as I think about it now, you know, I think the appeal of going back in a fantasy kind of to engage with that younger part of myself is really appealing to go back and be the father that I never had to that younger guy. And that could be really aroused. There's a lot of uh, sexual right. scenarios around that too. So that's the other side of the coin. Cause the, the, the initial arousal is mutuality, connection, vulnerability. I want to be with someone who's my age, but when you get to our age now, we're in our forties, fifties, sixties. Um, and so uh, what is a person that's in this season of life when they're the idealizing and objectifying and consuming young people who are being vulnerable, what are they looking for? I th- yeah. So I think one of it is innocence, connecting with innocence. Yes. And it may be, I want to connect with my own lost innocence. I think that's what has driven me in that particular genre is I see in a younger person, somebody that I can go and rescue that I wish there would have been somebody like that for me when I was that age. And so they represent that potential of me using my gifts, my goodness as a man to help bring them something of goodness that I wish I would have had. And, Mm. you know, that's a, that's a good thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be bad if I'm putting it in a sexual arena and I'm using my gifts to kind of seduce or entice somebody into something but I think in general, it's a longing of the heart is I wish I wish I would have had that. I wish I could kind of preserve my innocence and had people that were older than me that would have taken an interest in me and kind of mentored me instead of the experiences that I had that were really abusive. So in that, I hear some longing 
uh, some nostalgia and then some grief, some loss mm-hmm. is that I didn't get to have this experience. So I want to go back and experience it vicariously through someone else who's in that stage and season of life. And, you know, in a healthy way, it can be mentoring and, um, you know, encouraging young people to achieve their goals. And, but in an unhealthy way, it can be consumptive. Exactly. Which is I need to, I need to use that person as an object to, con- to take from them so that I feel some, a salve on the wound of my own inadequacy in my youth. And, and let's face it too, there's this element of as we age, our bodies are not what they used to be. We don't look the way we used to be. There's a longing to go back and recapture for ourselves that dynamic of being a virile, powerful, attractive, younger person. And so to have somebody reciprocate that that is younger to you, I think is intoxicating. Sure. And, sure, sure. and it, it's reminding me of what I, the best version of myself, if you will, because there is a sadness to how we age. Like we don't retain yeah. our looks. We don't retain our vitality. We don't retain our strength. And that's the sad part of life in this world. And so I think the sexual fantasy of going back and engaging with a younger person is about recapturing that lost youth in ourselves as well. So mm. And, and I think uh, that specific piece um, and the reason that it's so ubiquitous, I mean, if we look at, at, at porn as an industry, it idealizes youth in, in the object partners. You know, in every porn scenario, there is an object partner and a consumptive partner. There's the person who we are looking at as the ideal beauty to be penetrated or to, be, to service us. And then there's the, the, the person who is serving as the consumer. I'm receiving this. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this. And, and across the board, uh, under 30-year-old uh, boys and girls, men and women, are the object partners. And, so, and, and you, you even look at this. I mean, in culture, when is a woman old? Past 30, isn't it? Past 30. So even in society, we look at women, young women, as objects uh, to be consumed. And so I think when we're talking about this, Scott, it, it's, it, it, there's a deep well of grief that needs to be acknowledged that this, this is a human condition issue, is that there's a lot in us that we long for, that we miss, that we want to get back. And one of the shortcuts to getting that is by objectifying a younger person and, and sexualizing that experience so that we can feel a little bit of the youth that we've lost. Yeah. And, you know, frankly, this has been on fast forward in the culture for the last 40 or 50 years where you have even children now that are being sexually objectified and sexualized at very young ages. Um, You know, there's a lot of complaints around the beauty pageants for kids because it's taking little girls and dressing them up like they're teenage or young women and it really is objectifying them in the same way that that a lot of people complain about the Miss America contest and so on and so forth. I think we ought to look at those complaints and say, what's the legitimacy here? Do we really want to turn everybody into an object for our own consumption? So that, you know, I think guys get a bit of a pass on that age dynamic because nobody's going, well, 30-year-old guy is past his prime. But, a three-year-old guy is still a child for some people. But in, in, in Hollywood, you look at like the starlets in Hollywood, the popular actresses, they're all young. They're not 
you know, you've got the older actresses that are doing kind of the Golden Girls type stuff, but nobody's watching that. Everybody's looking at the Jennifer Lawrence, and then there's always a new Jennifer Lawrence on the conveyor belt, and it's all yep. built around youth. Everything in the fashion industry, everything in Hollywood and television, and frankly, everything in porn is built around youth. If you look at you know, the categories in A Billion Wicked Thoughts that they looked at kind of from the meta search engines, the youth category is the number one category of porn overall bar none it's across the board across the board by a huge amount when you dive even into gay porn youth is the top category so this is not unique just to uh straight guys or gay it's it's everybody is looking for the fountain of youth and that's what it is what are we looking to consume scott if everybody's looking for the fountain of youth if everybody if everybody's searching out a younger more innocent more naive more open more mutual version of bodies what is the true fountain of youth that we're looking for that we're never going to obtain because nobody defeats a mother nature and father time but what are we what's the real psychological pursuit and maybe even narrative pursuit in this arousal template? Well, I think it's deeply symbolic. I think it goes back to the garden of Eden. We're looking for eternal life. Yeah. And and I would even go back in that same context and say, we're looking for true humanity. Yeah. What, what does it mean to be truly as I was intended to be? And we idolize people, male and female for their looks and we <clears throat> objectify them and we sexualize them. And we, we use them because the, the reality is in my own story, in my own life, no one taught me how to just be me. And I want to introduce something in this podcast that I really believe powerfully in and doing some work around this in my own life and with guys is that there are no ideal versions of humanity. Because guess what? Some people like big boobs. Some people like small boobs. Some people like big butts. Some people like small butts. Some people like average penises. Some people like big penises. Some people like round faces. Some people like narrow faces. Some people like blonde hair, brunette. Let's keep going on in all the different flavors of arousal template. But every single person that was ever born on this earth was unique. We're all, and nobody likes this term, snowflakes. I don't mean it in the weakness. I mean in the uniqueness of it. We're all uniquely built. And what happens a lot of times in this barely legal thing is we think that we can grab some uniqueness from somebody else to feel okay about our own inadequacy and insecurity. Yeah. So it becomes an identity issue, right? I'm trying to find my identity in a reflected sense of myself that I'm getting from who likes me, who pursues me, another person. And I think that's a really bad way to find your identity because ultimately you're going to be on this conveyor belt of always looking for the next thing, the newest thing, the more novel, Mm -hmm. the the younger person, the whatever, 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 the hottest thing. And you're never going to find your sense of self. And you see people that kind of live their lives that way is they're always trying to find the next thing that can make them feel whole, the next thing that can make them feel like their authentic self. And what if that's not the way to find it? What if the way to find your authentic self is to really look to the creator who made you and to receive that as a gift in the goodness of who you are? 
at any age. Well, well I would, I would step back and I, I do agree that that's, that's one way to do it. But I think the, the, the missing piece in that is, I mean, let's take for, for example, let's take a character from a movie. So let's, let's, let's back into, into this from Matthew McConaughey's character in dazed and confused. And he's sitting there and he's sitting at the, at the, um, at the drive through and he's watching all these high school girls walk by and said, you know what I love about high school girls? I keep getting older and they just stay the same age. <laughs> so in that, in that character, right. It's what we're talking about. It's, is he's saying, I, I just, if I just keep looking at high school girls, my life will be okay. So what is it in that man, that prototypical man that, that he can do to heal the wounds of objectifying the young and trying to pull energy and vitality from the young and, and really become the man he was meant to be. I think he's got to bless who he is and stop looking wow. for it in other people. Wow. So the uniqueness of him, and again, this is a prototype. He's just a character on the screen, but each man has a piece of this. We all have gifts talents, desires, interests, experiences, things that are good about each of us that we need to, as you said, Scott, bless. And that work of blessing my uniqueness, my goodness, is a piece that, frankly, in the church, we suck at. We absolutely suck at blessing what is good, because we would rather talk about what is bad. We'd rather list all the shit, all the sins, all the brokenness, and cry and weep and beg God to love us when God has loved us from the beginning. He made us to be good. And so that work, Scott, is a lot of what you said earlier. It's the work of identity. I've got to go through the process of figuring out who am I? Who are the good parts of me? And yes, there's parts of me that struggle. But those struggling, broken parts don't make me bad. Because if you're going to read the Bible and you're going to take it literally, it says you are very good. Very good. Yeah, I was, I was listening to an Allender Center podcast last week that Kurt Thompson was on, and they were talking about shame. And I loved what he said about Abraham, you know, that, that Abraham, we have this guy in Abraham in the, in the Bible where he's continually messing up. I mean, he sex traffics his wife twice. He rapes a teenager. And then his wife gets mad that he impregnated the teenager and wants him to drive her out in the wilderness to die with the child that he just impregnated her with. And he's doing like he is continually messing up. It doesn't seem like he is the father of our faith very much. Like, where is his faith? He seems to be well, kind he, of... He, he would have failed the Pharisee test 100%. He'd have been a bad Baptist, a bad Roman Catholic. He'd have been a bad Presbyterian. He would have been kicked out of all these churches. But he's called the father of our faith, Chris. Why is this guy that's kind of a scoundrel and kind of a uh, scallywag, <laughs> why is he seen as the father of our faith? And I, I, I love what they said in the podcast was he doesn't give up. He just keeps moving forward and he takes even the bad that he stumbles into, and he allows God to turn his messes into a really enduring message. And that is, God's interested in taking you and shaping you into something beautiful. And he's not scared of the ugly parts. He wants to use them. He wants mm -hmm. to turn our wounds into weapons. So the ugly things in our lives are the very things that God is interested in redeeming 
so that we can use them to be a source of comfort and connection and care for others. And we just want to get rid of that. We don't want to be aged. We don't want to be weak. We don't want to be frail. But those are the things that God's really interested in redeeming in our lives. I do want you weak. And that's what he says to the Apostle Paul is, hey, Paul, when you're weak, that's when you're strong. I like you weak because when you're weak, I can demonstrate my power in you. When you're all together, you get the bragging rights, dude. But when you're a mess, I get to show what I can do in a person's life. So when we don't quit, another way we talk about this in recovery is we do our work. And I think every man, no matter his age, has two choices. I cannot do the work and cope with life. Now, you might cope with alcohol. You might cope with your vocation. You might cope with sex. You might cope with nostalgia. I mean, um, what was the guy, Napoleon Dynamite? Uncle Rico, I think was his name. You know, he's like, you know, back in the day, I used to be able to hum him in there and he would throw footballs with a video camera show. I mean, that's sadly, there's plenty of guys who talk about their golf game glory and how they days. used to be able to do. Glory yeah. days. The glory days, the boastful pride of life. First John talks about it. And so um, there's this idea that we can go that way. And guess what? Guess what we stay. We stay boys in, in, in men's bodies. You know, uh, Voltaire said that that many men die and are not buried. They die at 25, but aren't buried till 75. And so the other option is the exact opposite. And we don't do this much on this podcast. We, we are going to give you the invitation to how to address this arousal template. When you're looking for young people at, at, in your sexual desire, this is how you, this is how you begin to heal that. Grieve the, the loss of your own innocence and your own youth and begin to do the work to give back to those who are still young, to mentor, to have compassion, to serve others, and to become a wise man who may be physically weak, but is emotionally and spiritually and relationally strong and can help others navigate life in a faithful way by your example and by your words. And this is such a relevant subject to something that happened in one of my groups. A guy texted that he was experiencing an attraction to a friend of his younger daughter, and he felt a lot of shame around that. Mm. And, you know, my invitation to him was, what do you think that attraction to that younger person is trying to heal within you? Where's the, mm. So if you're, in other words, if this is a part of your arousal template, rather than shaming it and trying to hate it out of existence and telling yourself you're a pervert and you know, you're a, a, a child molester because you're after teenagers. Yeah. Why don't you ask yourself, what, how is this helping me? What is, what about myself is this doing for me? Because to me, this is a great indicator that there's a real wound around your own sense of identity and the goodness of who you are yes. as you age and the yes. blessings and the gifts that you have. And so maybe it's, it's a call for God as is often the case in these things, it's a test, but it's not a test to make you stumble. It's a test to actually mature you and to get you mm. to think about what is the goodness that you have to bring to others in spite of the fact that you're getting older, maybe not as pretty as you used to be, that type of thing. So what do you have to offer the world that's worthwhile? And do that kind of work rather than trying to be superficial about trying to retain, you know, the youthful glory days. And please stop living for tomorrow or for eternity. You matter today. 
your giftedness will never be on the face of the earth again. And so that's the invitation is that, yeah, there's a lot to grieve and that I missed out on in my youth. Do the work of grieving it. Tell your story. Go back and with compassionate and attuned friends, sit and agonize over the, the shit that you didn't have when you were young. And then take that desire and move it into how do I take who I am and what I was meant for. That's the second piece, by the way. Here's the key to spirituality. Who are you and what were you meant for? What is your purpose? Identity and purpose are the core of the spiritual journey across religions. So if you're wanting to do the work, this this arousal template is an invitation to becoming the spiritual man. And it's got nothing to do with church attendance or Bible study or, or, or acts of religion. It's got everything to do with doing the work to take one step and put it in front of the other one and fulfill what God made you to be. And so um, we would invite you to do that. This is, this is a high calling. It's hard. Right, Scott? It is hard. It is the it path. Is, it is the road less traveled. It is the road less traveled. There are no shortcuts. There's no pills. There, if, you're, if you're looking for tips and tricks, go to YouTube. I guarantee, go, go I guarantee you it's far easier to sit in front of your computer and watch porn and masturbate. It's much easier. It's yeah. going to feel better in the short term, but in the long yeah. term, it's not going to move you from that computer screen. But, but if your heart is grieving and you're looking for something more, we offer you a path forward. It is a challenging path, but it's a path that brings far less gr grief and far less shame definitely promise you far less shame in the long run. So um, if this is where you are and this is what you're wrestling with, we encourage you to take the next step. What, what is the work that you need to do? How do you get up like Abraham did? Get up and try again. Get up and try again and begin to believe. That's the invitation of the, uh, the Jesus said, I believe, help my unbelief is what he said. And he says, I believe you. I see your faith. Where is your faith today, guys? So we'll end with that. Um, that's, uh, I mean, we could go a lot of other places. We'll probably come back to this topic of objectification and degradation and things like that uh, in the future. But we definitely want to hit this and offer this upon request, by the way. If you want to get in touch with us and you have a topic that you want us to cover, this was a requested topic. And so we were happy to oblige uh, if you have something that you haven't heard about and you want to know more about, we'll be glad to talk about it. And hopefully it's been helpful for everybody today. So we'll so, see you next time, guys, on We Got Balls. And so do you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.